Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with the Osef. The Ravens in the playoffs beat the Titans, lost to the Bills. We'll talk about both of those games and why the Ravens were right to absolutely embarrass the Titans by stomping on their logo. Drew Brees retires more on that. Why this season by the Ravens is an absolute success despite a divisional round exit in the playoffs. All that coming up and much, much more on Sports with Yosef. The constant criticism that you hear from fans, from the media, and everyone else who just doesn't know what to think and doesn't like Lamar Jackson, it's he's not won a playoff game. He's Oh, he, he can't win the big games. Well, Lamar, the last podcast I did, well, that was previewing one of the biggest games he ever played, where he came back, beat the Browns dramatic fashion then he won what was it five in a row to get to the playoffs and then he took on the Tennessee Titans second year in a row a playoff series where no home team had ever won a game in that playoff series and the game was in Tennessee and Lamar Jackson started off by throwing an interception and then he was down 10 nothing and then all of a sudden he turned it around he came back he made the place he needed to, and the Ravens came out with the victory. But what I want to talk about is actually the tail end of that game. Because I'm not, I don't really care about the part about, oh, Lamar Jackson's not a, a, a quarterback. He, he can't win the big games. Well, I, he can. We've seen he can. I mean, there's so many big games. The Seattle game, week 7, 2016, uh, 28, nah, 2019. The Patriots game coming off of Sunday Night Football. Undefeated Patriots. That's a huge game. The Steelers week 5 game. The Texans game was big last year. And there were big games this year as well. Win or go home about 5 or 6 weeks in a row and they won. And then the playoffs and they won that also. But in the tail end, coming out of the 2 minute warning, Ryan Tannehill throwing over the middle. Receiver falls down to the top of the round. Marcus Peters comes up with the interception. And let me take a step back. I don't remember what I've talked about on this podcast. And if we go back to last year, which I definitely talked about this. We talked about it with Ken McCusick. The, when the Titans beat the Ravens, and they, they shocked the entire NFL by beating the Ravens in Baltimore. The Ravens, the best regular season team in the NFL. And the Titans came in and beat them. And that happens. And when that happens, so the Titans, that dramatic victory. Well, the next time the Titans play the Ravens in Baltimore, what was it? Was it week 12? Before the game, a lot of the Titans players went out to the Ravens midfield logo before the Ravens took the field. Really, the only player out there was, I think, Anthony Levine. Coach Harbaugh is out there. And they went and started celebrating on the logo before the game. Harbaugh went out there, started yelling at them. Malcolm Butler got in Harbaugh's face. It was really just disgraceful by the Titans. And so what does Marcus Peters do after he gets this interception in the wild card round, now that we have this background? Well, his first move, he's about 10 yards away from the Titans logo. He and the entire Ravens defense and players from the bench storm the Titans logo with about a minute 50 left in the game. And they just stormed the logo. You've got some guys stomping on the logo, sliding. It's absolute euphoria. And the Ravens... The players, they were looking at the Titans bench area the entire time. So, what do I think about this? Because there are a couple of parts. First off, not very sportsmanlike 
That, that's just not how you play a game. That's You shake hands after a game. You, you don't go and celebrate on the logo. Now, the flip side is when the Titans did that to the Ravens, they didn't have the guts to do it when the Ravens players were on the field. The Ravens, they did it when the Titans players were on the field. And then there was some, some one of the Titans offensive linemen, I'm forgetting which one, I think the right guard or left guard, um, had the audacity to say. Uh, it was completely unprovoked. I just don't understand why they would do that. I mean, what universe are you living in? It just does not make sense. That there was definitely a reason to do it. And I actually like it. I think it was the right move. Because when the Ravens played the Steelers, and by the way, the Ravens, uh, Jackson took the last snap in knee, he immediately ran off the field, refused to shake anyone's hand. And a lot of player, Ravens players did the same. After any Ravens-Steelers game, it's hard fought, it's bloody. You've got players going down and getting injured. You've got drama, no matter what happens. They shake hands. There's mutual respect. There's sportsmanship. And the Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Titans do not have that. That there is there is some element there, and I think it starts with Mike Vrabel, where they do not have that degree of sportsmanship, and I don't get it. It's a coaching issue. It's not one player; it's an entire team. We saw Malcolm Butler um, just trash talking Lamar Jackson and then flipping him off in the middle of the game. It, it just. Constant disrespect from the Tennessee Titans. And that's why Lamar Jackson left the field without shaking hands after the knee. That's why the Ravens did the logo stomp. And I think it was the right move. I do. And I also think this is a rivalry of old. Back before I was born, the NFL, the Ravens and the Titans used to play twice a year. The Eddie George, Ray Lewis, oh my goodness, what were those good games or so, I'm told. And... The NFL in 2003, they made a couple of division shifts. They put the Ravens in the AFC North. They made four divisions in each conference. And that meant the Ravens and Titans were not playing each other twice a year. They weren't even guaranteed to play each other once a year. But that rivalry. But Ray Lewis and Eddie George, they had a respect for each other. It was mutual respect. Eddie George motivated Ray Lewis. And vice versa. Constant respect. Mutual appreciation. They were friends off the field. Just not on it. But that's not the case. In this Ravens-Titans modern rivalry. The Titans, I mean, yes, you know what? There's no, there's no hard feelings right now between the Ravens and the Chargers from when the Chargers beat the Ravens in the 2018 playoffs. There isn't. But that's because the, the Chargers didn't go and then disrespect the Ravens by taking their logo, by just being very unsportsmanlike. It's just it's shocking to see that out of an NFL team. It really is. And then Lamar, look, Lamar got his first playoff win and then went to Buffalo and got a loss. And I want to talk a little bit about that loss. Because there are a lot of factors. And I don't know if, we're going to have, if I'm going to have time to get to when I think the offseason needs to happen. What needs to happen in the offseason if that happens today or not. But here's what's going on in this loss. First off, it's really windy. So much so that Justin Tucker misses two field goals. Well, it's not just Tucker who does. Tyler Bass misses two field goals. The wind was a huge factor. Uh, Josh Allen had a wide open, I think, Stephon Diggs down the sideline. Touchdown. Easy touchdown. And then the wind just carried the ball out of, out of Diggs' reach. Tyler Huntley had the same thing to Hollywood Brown. And why was Tyler Huntley playing? Well, Lamar Jackson went into concussion protocol, but we're not yet up to that part in the game. Because 
What happened was it's a 3-3 first half. Lamar Jackson outpassed Josh Allen. The Bills they ran had, had a one designed run in the first half. They also had a Josh Allen uh, he rolled right, nothing there, just took off and picked up four or five. So they had two runs in the first half, which were, by the way, the lowest all time in the first half of a playoff game. All time. They were just going to the passing offense. That's what th- that Bills offense is all about with Josh Allen. And the next part about what's happening, so it's 3-3 at the half. Allen coming out of the half, leads his team, five-minute drive down the field, score a touchdown. Well, the Ravens, they're marching down the field. And then Lamar Jackson throws his first red zone interception. By t- Taron Johnson picks him off, takes it to the house. And at that point, the next two plays later, Jackson on a bad snap, gets concussed, leaves the game. Tyler Huntley, Ravens' fourth-string quarterback, he's... Comes in, does a little bit, tries to bring the Ravens back, but drop touchdown. The wind on that overthrow, like I said, did not help. But that's not the story of why the Ravens lost. That's the abbreviated story. Obviously, the two Tucker missed field goals. But the Ravens played really badly. And Greg Roman is a discussion for another time. But there were some bad play concepts. Just some bad coaching concepts in there. And there was some also stuff. There was a play. Uh, it happened a couple of, I think twice, where Ravens had a, a player. It's a couple of different post routes coming over the middle. But what happened was is on the first time, one of the cornerbacks didn't play deep enough and left a wide open wide receiver. Jackson didn't see him. It was on a third and 18 and it was fine. He makes a throw. He makes a throw to Hollywood Brown. I think it was Hollywood Brown who, who picks up 19 on third and 18. First down conversion. Now, that's fine. It's okay that Jackson didn't see the wide open receiver down the field because that's not where you would ever expect to look. It was really just a bad job. It was a bad play designed by Leslie Frazier to not have the cornerback dropping deeper. I guess he didn't because he was worried about Lamar Jackson taking off and running. Now, that's fine. But here's the flip side. When that happens and you're on the coaching sideline, there are players... Excuse me, there are people who are paid to watch the film and tell Lamar Jackson, hey, will we call this play again? Watch that, take a quick look at that corner. Because if he doesn't, if he's, if he stays really shallow, you've got a touchdown down the field. That's what has to happen on the sideline. Ravens ran that play again, third down at 13. No one has told Lamar Jackson that. It was obvious. Lamar Jackson just wasn't looking there. You're not going to look there unless you're told. Because it's just... In, you, you'll almost never see a cornerback not make that drop. But it looked like that's what Leslie Frazier's had wanted was part of the game plan. But someone's got to tell Lamar Jackson that. It was miscommunication. And miscommunication was just a theme of the game. On the only offensive touchdown of the game, it was a quick screen pass there inside the five. Quick screen to the left, Stephon Diggs touchdown. Well, it's not that simple. Because there were three receivers to the left and two defenders. Marcus Peters was lined up to the right and blitzing off the right side. Fine, you can blitz. But what you cannot do is line up on the wrong side. I don't think it was even a designed screen. I think Island saw it audible and called the screen from there. What were the Ravens doing? This is a Ravens. They were 29th most penalized off, uh, penalized team in the league. A lot of it was offense. Eight penalties in the game. Miscommunications on the offensive line. And I think it does start with Greg Roman. He gets the play call in really late. The Ravens get up the line of scrimmage with five seconds on the play clock. And then they're doing all these motions. Illegal shifts. Offsides. It happens every single game. I think there was one game where they did not have an illegal shift. That was against the Titans. One game. One. Unacceptable. 
But that's what's happening right now in the Ravens' offense. Yes. And it's just miscommunication on the sideline. What is Greg Roman? What are the guys the Ravens are paying to watch the, the film and tell Lamar Jackson these things? Tell Greg Roman these um, tidbits. What are they doing on the sideline? And what is Greg Roman doing? Let's say he's, Greg Roman's getting the message. Somehow the message is coming up short. And I don't know if Greg Roman's getting the message and not passing it along, if someone else needs to pass it to Lamar Jackson, but the messages are not being passed around. There is a communicational issue on the Ravens' sideline. Here's another one. All year, the Ravens' running backs have done a, a horrific job about getting out and checking down. Just a bad job all year. They've never been in the checkdown situations well. They, they're sluggish getting out. They look like they're on a walkthrough. And there were a bunch of times where Lamar needed to throw that checkdown against the Bills. But he, the checkdown wasn't there because the back just hadn't exited the backfield yet. Unacceptable. Who is it, what is happening on the Ravens? That This is a well, generally a well-coached organization. But this was a really poorly coached season. I had not... I mean... I'm struggling to think of a season where they were this poorly coached from an offensive standpoint. Scratch that. I can tell we can go back to the Mark Tressman days. We can go back to Marty Morningweg. But this is just a badly coached offensive system right now. There's just no other way to say it. The Ravens, a couple of huge third down drops. Uh, Dobbins and Mark Andrews won. There was a dropped touchdown by J.K. Dobbins. Jackson, he missed a, he didn't see some receivers. He has to, Jackson was not being decisive with the football. That's something that has to change. Jackson has to be decisive. And something that I want to do if I'm John Harbaugh in the offseason is like, here, Jackson, Lamar, here's what we're going to have you work on. Get the ball out within two seconds. We're going to work on the short passing attack, the quick release stuff. And being decisive, because Lamar's got receivers open. Despite the bad play concept, despite the bad play calling, despite them not communicating to Lamar Jackson, despite the penalties, despite a bad offensive line, despite all that, Lamar has receivers open. And he's just not being decisive and getting rid of the ball. And I think some of that also, some of that indecisiveness does have to do with his offensive line. He's antsy. He's got... The, the trash compactor feet, uh, to quote Ken McCusick, uh, for those of you who have seen Star Wars, where you've got the trash compactor closing in on Luke Skywalker. And what happened, a, a quarterback is, you've got the pocket closing around, that trash compact, compacting around the quarterback in the middle of the pocket. Okay, so there are two options. And something that Lamar did really well in 2019, and Deshaun Watson did not do in 2019 was Jackson stayed calm, stayed poised, didn't move his feet. What Deshaun Watson did, what I, some of, the, I think, Chewbacca did in the movies, it was they got nervous. They're moving their feet. They're antsy. They're tiptoeing. They're trying to look for an alley. They're keeping their, their eyes aren't really as downfield as much as they should be. That's a trash compactor scenario, which Jackson's been dealing with all season, and he's been antsy. He's been not trusting his offensive line, and with good reason. Jackson was sacked 37 times this season, ninth most. He was sacked 27 last year. Let's keep in mind Jackson didn't play a game because of COVID. Let's keep in mind that the Ravens are running a heck of a lot of the time. This is the number one rushing offense back-to-back years. This is a running offense, and... 
there has to be a, a component of the passing game offense as well. Uh, he was 23rd. 20, he was tw- from ninth, from 23rd to 9th in sacks from 2019 to 2020. That's huge. And I understand they lost Marshall Yonda, a future Hall of Famer. You can't just replace that with Tyree Phillips, with Ben Powers. That, that, he's just not replaceable, and I understand that. But here goes to another element. This goes to another element. When Ronnie Stanley went down against the Steelers, the season was over. People were saying, and I agreed, the Ravens can't make, are likely not making the playoffs. They're not making a run in the playoffs. It's over. They can't win a playoff game. They can't make the playoffs because they lost Ronnie Stanley. They also lost Tyree Phillips in that game. A game or two later, they lost Nick Boyle. They lost Tavon Young in Week 2. They lost 22 players to the COVID list, plus Marshall Yonda. This was a season the Ravens should never have had. There was no reason that the Ravens should have made the playoffs. None. It just shouldn't have happened. They lost Yonda, their best blocker, after the season. Then they lost their next best blocker in the middle of the season. Then they lost their next best blocker a couple of games later in Yonda, Stanley, and Boyle. They lost their best. They lost their slot cornerback, and this was an issue. The Ravens, uh, Marlon and Humphrey, only gave up one reception to Stephon Diggs. And I need to go back and watch some more film, but the reason he wasn't lined up on Stephon Diggs more versus Jimmy Smith, Tremont Williams, Marcus Peters, who were all lined up on him and gave up a whole bunch of receptions. The reason it wasn't Humphrey was because Tavon Young went down. And the, Humphrey's the only guy who can also play inside. And when the Bills are running that 3-4 wide receiver set, you betcha it's Marlon Humphrey who's playing the slot. And Stephon Diggs is going out, lining up outside. That's exactly what the Bills were doing. And the Ravens weren't able to cope because of these injuries. This was meant any other team, any other team in the league who loses these kind, these kind of guys... The three most instrumental players in the running game and in the passing game from a blocking and protection standpoint. They lose they they lose a cornerback who's a very good one the highest paid slot cornerback in the league. And they lose him and force one of their best corners. And force their best corner, one of the best in the league, to have to play out of position, which opens up the outside. When they lose their starting safety before the season. When in Earl Thomas and Deshaun Elliott has to fill in, when they're depending on a rookie linebacker stepping up in Patrick Queen, when they've never given Lamar Jackson enough weapons on the outside to scare te- to make teams think twice about putting nine in the box, any other team in the league. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. Any other team doesn't make the playoffs. It's that simple. It could be Mahomes makes the playoffs just because the AFC West is that weak. But he sure doesn't win a game. He sure doesn't get a bye. He loses every big game. That's what happens. He doesn't have time to throw. There are a couple of things you have to do to beat Patrick Mahomes. And number one is quarterback contain, winning on the offensive line, winning on their offensive line, and putting pressure on him. Well, without the, without your three best blockers, what are you going to do besides give up pressure? Only Lamar Jackson. Let's keep in mind Lamar Jackson is the best athlete in the NFL, and he got sacked 37 times. And I understand some of it was because of a lack of decisiveness, a hundred percent. 
he was there were times he was really undecisive, especially in that Bills game. But he he still shouldn't be getting sacked 37 times. No excuses for that, and that's just the reality of where the Ravens have to improve in 2020. And let's talk about the center, center position for a second. Matt Skira was benched. Because against the Colts and against the Patriots in an indoor and an outdoor stadium, albeit the Patriots, there was a monsoon going on. He could not snap the football well. He just could not snap the football well. Well, what happens when the Ravens put in Patrick McCarry? McCarry had been good until the Bills game. And then he had, I don't know, four or five bad snaps, including one which led to the Lamar Jackson concussion. One that went over Jackson said, Jackson gets it backpedaling at the five. He's going to spin around, throw it away, gets taken to the turf. And what happens? His head snaps back, hits the end zone turf, and he's done for the game. And by the way, what a classy move by the Bills fan base, Bills Mafia. They donated it a lot to Lamar Jackson's uh, one of the charity he supports um, after that. Classy move. It's not the first time we've seen the Bills do this. They did it to Andy Dalton in his charity after the Dalton knocked off the Bills in the playoffs. Ravens, Ravens in Week 17 uh, to send the Bills to the playoffs. But this, was, this wasn't, this was ha-ha, thank you so much for getting the win. This was classy. This was, you got hurt, we feel bad, and we're, we're going to help you support this. It was a classy move. It's a difference between the Bills and the Titans. And it'll be interesting to see how the Bills go because Patrick Mahomes also got concussed on the weekend. We have no idea if Patrick Mahomes will play yet. And I'm recording this podcast on Tuesday morning. And I j- we don't know yet if Patrick Mahomes will play on Sunday against the Bills in the AFC Championship. And if Mahomes plays, the, the Chiefs win. If he doesn't, they lose. It's as simple as that. But, yeah, center's a real issue for the Ravens. A lot of bad snaps. And I understand there was a lot some severe wind going on. But Jackson picking balls up off the turf... Hi, I don't know what the Ravens need to do at center. And I, that, that's more of a John Harbaugh evaluation. I'm not in the building. I can't have McCarry work out and see what he's got and what he doesn't have. I, I don't have that option. But I can tell you that the Ravens are going to have to have some confidence in their center. Because the Ravens are running the pistol offense a lot. Pistol, shotgun. And pistol and shotgun, it's a five-yard snap, 15 feet. They're not running under center a lot, which means that you do have to have a dependable center who's going to get the ball to your quarterback perfectly, 99% of the time. Really, You really needed 100, but 100 is unreasonable of a task of anyone. They need, a, they need a good center. And I don't know who the answer is for that good center. But I can also tell you that no matter who it is, it's going to be important. It could be the Ravens have to go center early in the draft. It could be that that's what they'll do. It could be they need to sign someone in free agency, which, by the way, this Lamar Jackson, I don't know what the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson in the contract situation. I'm kind of leaning towards the Ravens try to offer him a contract now because he's didn't beat the Bills in the playoffs, didn't make an AFC championship. I think they can get away with offering him less. I don't know, seven years, $250 million, $300 million. They're not going to give him a Patrick Mahomes type of contract. He's not won a Super Bowl. But Lamar Jackson's motivated, which is good. And we're seeing that from some of his comments. But let's just keep in mind Baltimore. 
that this was a lost season. No one thought they'd make the playoffs after the injuries. No one thought they'd win a playoff game. It just wasn't no, that. Just wasn't a thought process. It was asking too much. And despite that, they did. They fought. They battled. This is not a losing season for the Ravens. This is a season where they overachieved, not underachieved. Now, you want to tell me that before the season, season before the injuries, they, need, they should be making a Super Bowl? Fine, I can hear that argument. I thought so as well. But once those injuries happen, at, at that point, the playoffs become a hope, not an expectation. And the Ravens did it. And they've started making some offseason moves. They cut Mark Ingram. which And the writing was on the wall for that. The writing was absolutely on the wall because the Ravens hadn't been playing Ingram. He was inactive for the Bills game. He, he, I believe he was inactive for the Titans game. They just hadn't been playing him. And unfortunately, it actually took Greg Roman a little bit too long to make that realization that Ingram was done and probably cost the Ravens a win or two. But Ingram, he's, got, he's still got some juice left in him he's still a viable back but you want to compare him to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and how in the world the NFL let the Ravens and the best rushing attack get one of the best running backs out of college and J.K. Dobbins unreal but he just on the best rushing offense in the league he doesn't have a place on any other rushing offense I think he does almost every other rushing offense he, he will be able to sign it could even be he'd be the feature back in a couple of those places and we'll see where he goes. The Ravens also cut RG3. Again, Redding was on the wall for that also. We had seen Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley both play well in some dead time. RG3 went down with an injury. He was done. And I think it's a real testament to the Ravens and Eric DaCosta. The Ravens were able to put together a fourth-string quarterback who was playing well. Who cut the Ravens in the game. And I'm telling you, if the win, if the win doesn't take that overthrow to Hollywood Brown, if J.K. Dobbins doesn't drop that touchdown, the Ravens could, could have tied the Bills. They would have tied the Bills up. And obviously the Bills would have been more aggressive with the ball then. In that situation, I understand that the Bills might still have won. But the Ravens were really close to beating the Bills without Lamar Jackson. And that was, I mean, that's a real testament to Eric DaCosta, to John Harbaugh. And I don't know what the Ravens are going to do in their coaching tree. I think Greg Roman needs to go. I think that's another podcast topic. Let me phrase that it is, and I will, I will do an off-season uh, podcast topic. Um, but uh, And I'll also probably write an article or two about that, and I know I've not done a podcast in a while, but I have been doing a lot of other content, which is why I have not. A lot of articles for Tackler, a lot of articles for Sportscaster News, for Rocky and Meisty, uh, well, and when there's one other, and Flurry Sports, a lot of articles for those. I've been broadcasting all the Ravens games on Sportscaster. And I know, it's a lot of content. But you should still check it out. And I really made it a lot easier for you. Because I created a website, yosefm613.com. Y-O-S-E-F-M-613.com. Where it has all of my articles, all of the podcasts, some of my videos, and... It has a very neat feature where you can subscribe on the homepage. You can subscribe to get email updates every time I post new content on my website. I will be sending out an email when I release this podcast. 
And if you're not on that list, you can get an email every time I post a new article, a new podcast. There is no excuse to not take advantage of a really easy system I set up for you guys. So make sure to take advantage and subscribe. Also, if you've got a Twitter account, give me a follow on Twitter at YoSafeM613. Really trying to grow Twitter. I need your help. Y-O-S-E-F-M-613. One of the heart-rending stories over the weekend of the AFC Divisional Round was Drew Brees. Who, it's not official, but it's official. He's not said it, but we all know it's the case. He's taken his last nap in an NFL uniform. And he did it in a three-interception game against the Buccaneers. He did not play well. And it's sad, because we're talking about a quarterback whose legacy is going to be marred by his teammates. He's the all-time leader in passing yards. Second all-time in passing touchdowns behind Tom Brady. 13 Pro Bowls. Four of the top five uh, seasons in completion percentage of all time. He's the only player with multiple 5,000-yard passing seasons. He doesn't just have two. He has five. Five five 5,000-yard passing seasons. And he's the only player who's done it twice. 2006 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. NFL record, seven seasons leading the NFL in passing yards. And his teammates continually let him down in the playoffs. And it looks like he let his teammates down against the Buccaneers. That is what does what it looked like it happened. But against the Vikings last year. Actually against the Vikings two years ago also. The Stephon Diggs. His teammates trying to do too much. And then against the, the Nicole Robbie Coleman in the NFC Championship. Okay, so the Viking, the Minnesota Miracle was three years ago. The Nicole Robbie Coleman two years ago. The painful loss to the Vikings in New Orleans last year. His teammates have let him down, and that's how he's going to be remembered. Because he's played like one of the greatest quarterbacks all time. He's a top five quarterback all time. There has been no more, no quarterback has been more efficient than Drew Brees in, his, in the entire NFL, ever. The only issue with Drew Brees' career, only issue, and I don't even want to talk about MVPs because I don't think that that's really indicative. It's also indicative of who else is playing that year. It's kind of lucky. I, I mean, if, for instance, Patrick Mahomes had had his incredible 50 touchdown season last year. I don't know Lamar Jackson gets the MVP. He might have, but it would have been a lot closer. It really depends on who else just has a big year that year for an MVP. Which, by the way, another topic, which I don't know if I want to discuss now, but do we need a new award for an MVP? We have a Cy Young for pitchers. Do we need a Cy Young for quarterbacks? Because uh, when was the last time a non-quarterback won the MVP? It's been a long time. It's always a quarterback. It's Mahomes. It's Jackson. It's Brady. It's a Manning. It's a Roethlisberger. It, there's, it's quarterbacks. It's a quarterback award now. There's no discussion about giving it to Devontae Adams this season, who had a 20-touchdown season. There's no discussion about giving it to Derrick Henry, who had a 2,000-yard rushing season, back-to-back rushing champion. No discussion. It's going to Aaron Rodgers, undoubtedly. The other runner-up is Josh Allen. It's going to Aaron Rodgers, though, who put up 48 touchdowns. And that's why they've done that on the Matt LaFleur passing offense inside the red zone. It's a fascinating topic, which I'll get into right now. Um, I'm just going to totally forget what I was talking about previously. No, it's Drew Brees. We'll see if I remember. 
but what what Malifor has done is he's taken advantage of the statistics. Every team runs inside the t- t- in, runs a lot inside the red zone because you can get some easy yardage, you can get some easy rushing touchdowns. What Malifor has done in Green Bay is say we're not running the ball. Aaron Rodgers, you've got one of the greatest minds to ever play quarterback. You can make the argument Aaron Rodgers is the single most talented quarterback to ever take the field in the NFL, and I think you can win that argument. Lamar Jackson would put up a good fight. But when Aaron Rodgers is done with arm talent and just the talent that Aaron Rodgers has from a physical standpoint, you can make a really good argument he's the most talented quarterback to ever take the field in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers, and what they've done is because he's so good on the mental side of the game, they're just saying, you know what, we're going to let you make these throws. Where, and spent a lot of them to Devontae Adams. First down and goal from the one. We're not running the ball. We're throwing the ball with you, Aaron Rodgers. We're using play action. We're throwing the ball. And that's why Aaron Rodgers has had so many touchdowns. Back to Drew Brees. I, Drew Brees, and, and I really do believe that to, to win a, a championship, you do need a team. And, oh, and another part of the Ravens' loss, which I just remember, remember now, is the Ravens missed like 15, 25, 30 blocks. The play before the pick six to Teron Johnson. Lamar Jackson out of the wide open Hollywood Brown left corner of the end zone. What happened though? Tyree Phillips missed a block. Then J.K. Dobbins missed a block. Jackson was forced to the right. He had to just throw the ball away. He had a touchdown. And the offensive line failed him. We talked about the offensive line earlier. There were so many missed blocks against the Bills. Really unacceptable. Back to Drew Brees, where you need a team to win a championship. What he's done statistically in less seasons than Tom Brady. He's younger than Tom Brady. He's played less seasons than Tom Brady. And what he has done from an effectiveness, there's been no quarterback has been more effective than Drew Brees. Ever. And I think completion percentage says a lot. Because he's not just throwing dump-offs. And it takes even throwing dump-offs consistently because you can throw dump-offs, three dump-offs in a row, and not pick up a first down. But to pick up a first down and to lead the league, all-time leader in passing yards and to have 5,000-yard passing seasons, which only not even those 5,000-yard passing seasons, 25,000, I mean, that's what, a third of his all-time yardage? Right around. And probably even a little bit less than a third. Depending on, yeah, a little less than a third. It, it, because you have to throw the, the dump-offs correctly. There's a difference between a, a Tom Brady dump-off and a Drew Brees dump-off and a Justin Herbert dump-off. It's the way they place the ball, the way they lead the receiver, the way they look off defenders to open up the, the running lanes. There's so much more than just checking the ball down. And it's not that Drew Brees just checks the ball down. But he was so effective, and yet his record, his legacy is going to be marred by his teammates failing him in the playoffs. And I understand he failed his teammates in the playoffs this year. But I also understand that the last, but in 2016, no, excuse me, in 17, 18, and 19, his teammates failed him. There's just no other way to say it. it was, sometimes it was the referees, sometimes it was his teammates. But his legacy will be marred by that always. We'll always remember Drew... There's no... You can never make an argument Drew Brees is the greatest of all time 
or he's the second greatest of all time because he didn't win championships, which I think is a bad argument. Because I really think championships are a team achievement. There's no even LeBron James. He can put up fifty. He puts up fifty points a game, and he still can't win a championship by himself. That's why he went to the Lakers. That's why he had to get Anthony Davis. That's like he has to build around him. You need more than one player for a championship, even in the NBA, where one player can take you to the playoffs. One player can even LeBron James can even take a team to the finals, but he can't win a finals without teammates helping him out. And that's how we're gonna remember Drew Brees. And I don't think most of people are going to remember him the light. Oh, yeah, his teammates always failed him. It's going to be, no, Juby's never won that many chances. He only won one Super Bowl. That's just going to be the reality. It's a sad reality, but unfortunately it is a reality. And as Drew Brees is out of the NFL, it's a pity. He had a couple years more effectiveness in him, but he wanted to leave. And obviously, his choice. It'll be interesting to see what the Buccaneers do, a quarterback, whether they brought in Jameis Winston, they think they can resurrect his career maybe we're talking about Taysom Hill are we talking about a quarterback from the outside a draft pick a Matthew Ste- maybe a trade a Matthew Stafford who knows but we'll talk about that on another episode of Sports with Yosef or one of my articles but thank you for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef I'm Yosef Messenger I'll see you